Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey. Hey, brother. How's it going? So good. So good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, I took up a new hobby this weekend. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't feel like going skiing. Uh, in Colorado here. So we went up to a place called Buena Vista. That's how you're supposed to pronounce it. And um, rented those fat tire bikes. And like you lower the air pressure in them a bunch and then just uh, like bicycle around on all the snow and ice and slush and stuff. Um, Yeah. I like 10,000 feet elevation. It was actually really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Like where you would be skiing. Like the same kind of, uh, you're not like going on the sidewalk. No, not, not so much sidewalk, but also it was like, we drove up to an area, um, called Cottonwood pass. That was, uh, there were just a billion, um, snow, uh, I can't think of the word snow machine. Um, the thing that I totaled last year, um, you know, what, what is it? Snowmobile. (laughs) Yeah. A bunch of snowmobiles like zipping past us while we're like cranking it out on these big fat tire bikes. Nice. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Huh? Well, that makes my trip to Costco seem less eventful, but thank you. (laughs) Depends on what you bought and what the deal was. Tell me about those samples. (laughs) Whenever I leave Costco, I always think they probably believe that I'm some sort of psychopath based on the things I buy there. Go on. Yeah. It's just, it's just the weirdest, you know, combination of like gun safe medicine, (laughs) baby wipes, salmon, goat cheese like i buy an, an inordinate amount of goat cheese for my breakfast sammies oh got it yeah, yeah you got to yeah um i think that baby wipes out of context are super creepy so i agree with you i uh, like in high school i um we were hiking and we uh, went on the wrong trail got off on the wrong trail and we had to get a hitchhike to find our car you know because we were in the wrong parking lot And, um, the truck that I rode in, the guy had, uh, like a whole bunch of stuff in the floorboard (laughs) and one was a baby doll head (laughs) and one was a jar Vaseline and then baby wipes. He probably just had baby, you know, (laughs) but out of context of that and it being a truck in a hitchhiking situation, it was really creepy. I think that seems reasonable. Yeah. (laughs) Before we had a kid, there's always that you'd walk into that situation where there's that familiar smell it wasn't like diaper poop you know but it was the smell of all the diaper things you know the the scented diapers the wipes the whatever where you just walk into a situation and be like there, there's been baby excrement here you know and like for some reason that smell in my mind is not any better than, than like what it's trying to cover up because they're just so synonymous to me I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah they're they're the same. Yeah. Um, well, your your weekend sounds enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I've been thinking a lot about a particular topic, and I want you to get, I want to get your input on it. Go shoot. All right. The notion is, and I've I've heard bits and pieces of this from a couple different sources, so I, I I'll try to remember how to credit it properly, but. Uh, the, the notion of emotional labor versus physical labor. So 
you and I both have jobs that, I mean, on the, on the broader spectrum are very much on the emotional labor side of things. Like we're not digging ditches or shoveling gravel. I've had those jobs before. I'm familiar with them. This is, you know, I, I sit and uh, punch buttons on the internet, you know? Uh, specifically that time that you worked all summer with that crew and you were the only one who hadn't been shot. Yes. Specifically yeah. situations like that. I, yeah. I share anecdotes like that with people and they're like, yeah, whatever you're embellishing. And I'm like, it's no, so not entirely. You know, it makes it so much worse when I tell your anecdote that I just told, which is from time to time, is I always add that our dad made you get the summer job and go work with the laborers who had all at least been shot once. But he also gave you a Mercedes and made you drive the Mercedes to work. And that that combination is like extra brutal somehow. Yeah, there was nothing that happened in high school or, or middle school that that was not, I wasn't prepared for <laughs> after <laughs> the season of showing up at a, at a construction site and, and a European car <laughs> as, as a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get, get tough or die, you know, Johnny cash. Yeah. That was a, it was an interesting juxtaposition of priorities on our parents' part. <laughs> um, I also used to work with a guy who had been airlifted on Lifestar Four times. Oh, gosh. Four times. That's so many times. That's so much, so many resources. Yeah. Like, that guy's like a a walking, like, miracle. You know, that that he's still functioning and not eating and breathing through a tube. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So there you go. He he too had been in prison. Um, <laughs> so that's our that's our physical labor yeah, portion yeah. of the segment, <laughs> right? And then like it was, okay, so physical labor, emotional labor, right? And and like I think to to zero in on like what I do for a living, right? Sometimes I feel like it's just physical labor. Like I'm just the digital equivalent of shoveling gravel as it relates mm-hmm. to like managing marketing for people. Like they tell me what they want. I just go do it. I just happen to be able to translate from whatever, from business speak to, to digital marketing speak. And so yeah. I, I do that work and it feels that way. Um, thinking about the, the lens of like emotional labor, I realize like the more I think about it, the more I see like pockets of what I do that, that really is emotional labor. And it's the step, like to me, the quintessential example of that to, to kind of frame it is like the customer service rep, right? So like, well, I'll back up a good customer service rep. Um, and like, in, and I think the reason that's like, so, um, you know, uh, oh, st- stereotypical, right. Yeah. Is because a bad one is so obvious and a good one you don't yeah. notice. Right. Like, so like, unless you're great at it, if you're great at it, it feels like a human interaction. If you're not, it feels terrible. But like you, you call 1-800-LAND, right? You've got your problem. The person on the other end has, has like dealt with that problem a bazillion times, right? If they're intelligent, they know, but they, they're still tasked with this notion of making you feel heard and unique and like letting you maintain your dignity, like not doing the classic, like have you turned it off and turn it back on again? Or like uh, the SNL computer guy, you know, kind of thing. But like, you know, making that feel like a human interaction, like walking you through the steps, like helping you as though your problem is as important to them as it is to you. Right. 
And, and like, you know, the monotony of that has to just like wear on whoever. So like, if you're good at it, you are able to do that. And like what you're doing is a very much the emotional labor side of things. Like, and it's super impressive, right? Like you're, it's like a, a critical part of the business model for that company that people can call in who are at the, their wits end or struggling or, or, or about to fall out of good favor with that company and, and have someone who can like walk you back into that. Um, super impactful, right? Yeah. Um, example, spark capital one, I'm pretty sure has one customer service rep that I get every time I call. <laughs> oh, Bill. This, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it's this woman It's the same woman every time. And she's like, I'm like, really, you're just going to do away with this. I mean, should I just change my bank? account somewhere else because you've deleted the app you have nothing else like this is our bank account and they're terrible and they just keep removing features and now they sent an email saying they weren't gonna do bill pay anymore which is just absurd um, yeah so but they it. hooked you up with a free 90-day trial for a paid service that does bill pay so <laughs> yeah they're taking yeah, care just, of you just a normal bank account where you can't get your money out but or in because there's no app <laughs> And there, it's a, a purely online bank account. So, um, yeah. And Linda or whoever is always like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Linda. I can't even be mad at her because you're like, well. <laughs> no one cares less than Linda. Yeah. She's got the worst job. Yeah. that's. Uh, we should dedicate a whole episode to just pouring pouring on Spark Capital One because uh, they no are. Job. It's unbelievable. Just like close down. Be you know, tell everyone yeah. we're not gonna be a bank anymore. Go elsewhere <laughs> with your money. Don't just like <laughs> I feel like I'm being trolled. Like how Yeah. Th- there used to be this test online that was like the the internet um intelligence test or something, and uh-huh. you go through and answer all these questions and it, it lasted for infinity. Like like the the thing was when you figured out that it never ended. Right. Like that was the catch. And that's what I feel like Spark Capital One's doing is it's just, it's this notion of like, we're going to keep stripping this down and down and down until people realize it's not really a bank anymore. Yeah. That's a really funny point. I mean, at what point are, are people are like critical mass going to leave? Like which features do they have to eliminate to actually get people to do the painful thing of maneuvering? Maybe they're just screwing with us. We're just lab rats. Yeah. They're like, what if we didn't have one up? When I, (laughs) When I worked in the accounting world, there was a like kind of a known thing that uh, accountants think that they they recognize what a pain it is to change your accounting, and so they're willing to put up with a pretty high like they're they're willing to absorb a pretty high threshold of clients being upset with them because they know that they're still probably not going to do anything about it, you know, because <laughs> it's like such a terrible thing to transition your accounting. So like the huh. the bar of customer service like is really low. Because what are you going to do? You know, I guess maybe I should adopt that because I mean, it's not easy to find a new lawyer and get all that set up. So maybe I should just be real pain. I should hire Linda. <laughs> I think she's going to be looking for a job <laughs> soon. So. Uh huh. Hey, Linda, uh, we've talked yeah. a lot. I feel like I know you. When this it's me again. <laughs> when this whole thing doesn't doesn't work out, call me. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's about right. I'm sure we'll get an email next week that's like, we fired Linda. No more customer <laughs> service. Like, cause the things that they're removing are features that I didn't know were optional. So I told my wife that I was expecting an email that shared an announcement, uh, like a new sponsorship with Casper, where you can conveniently put all of your money because we're not taking it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. like, well, I'm sorry, but you can do the the paid bill pay, or we give you twenty percent off of a gun safe. <laughs> like, Here's yeah, some jars to right. bury in the yeah. ground. <laughs> if you feel like you could do a better job, why don't you just go ahead and try? I got an outdated map and. <laughs> <laughs> Some jars. It's like a child's drawing. That, you know, the dotted line. Here's a tree, and here's a, a pond. I love that idea of the customer service rep being like, "You're right. You should be your own bank. Here you go, honey. Go nuts." <laughs> uh, and if you overdraft, there's still fees from us. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, there's still fees, and they're still making interest. <sighs> yeah. Um, so Linda, poor, poor Linda. No customer service, ultimate yeah, emotional labor. Just kind of a great example. And you see like what it looks like when it is physical labor, when your job is just answer phones and like follow the script, right? Versus when it's emotional labor and it's someone that can jump in and like guide the conversation, change minds, retain dignity, all that sort of stuff. So Anyways, um, I, for me, this has been eye-opening for my own business because I have started seeing like which parts of my business are emotional labor, and like, and it almost gives gives it some sense of like honor that that's that it's a thing, right? Oh, I see. You're not wasting time. You're, you, it's yeah. You're like doing another type of hard task, right? Yeah, like quintessential agency complaining about their clients and how needy mm-hmm. their clients are and stuff. Well, like. That that's like, you know, that's a stereotype because it's true, right? Like, you know, but like take that and turn it inside out. And all of a sudden, like there are two job responsibilities happening here. There's the physical labor, the the work, the graphic design, the, you know, development, whatever, like the, the creative work. And then there's also like the emotional labor of managing the re- relationship with the client, like being available for them, guiding strategy, all that other kind of stuff that, it would be really easy, and, and me in particular, who who um, tends to just hyper focus on operations and efficiency, like you know, all that stuff is just impediment to my uh, efficiency, right? <laughs> like, unless that's part of the work, right? And like you you zoom out and realize that part of what I'm doing to make this all a good thing is that emotional labor and. And so I don't know, that's, uh, you know, um, that's a bit of a soapbox just to say like, that's kind of been eye opening for me because I'm seeing little pockets of both, but I feel like I'm seeing it more clearly. I yeah, my mind is blown by this. I think this is a really good point because I, I have a tendency to do the same thing. Like I didn't get to do any work today because all I did was handle phone calls and, you know, I do, um, for instance, every now and then I help usually friends of friends um, type clients who uh, get uh, fired, terminated from a position. And that is almost all emotional labor, as you can imagine. 
Um, so I, I finished something up on Friday and I didn't particularly kill, um, jibe with this client of mine. Um, so she, you know, we, we got it all resolved, got the paperwork in, got her what she thought was fair. And I explained everything to her and, you know, I CC'd her as I sent the paperwork in and then I stopped and I was like, Ugh. And I picked up the phone and I called her and just said, hey, just checking in, wanted to see, you know, now that it's official, how you're feeling, <laughs> you know, which I knew you know, intuitively was a part of the whole package of what I was providing her. But um, it, you know, I didn't have the words to put on it. Um, so it seemed like, why am I really doing this, you know, <laughs> but that's the emotional labor component to to the physical component of taking out whatever clause was in the contract and replacing it with mine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great example because it does show that delineation. And like oftentimes if you're in a customer service role, which I, I would suspect a lot of freelancers are going to wear that hat in some capacity because we're, we're often dealing directly with our customers, our clients, right? That like, if we can give that a name and, and identify that that's, what we're doing there, right, is is providing that benefit, then all of a sudden it, it kind of changes our approach. It, it also helps for me to look at it and say like, well, that's, that's stinking hard work. You know what I mean? Like sometimes that's the hardest thing I do um, is the emotional labor stuff just because it's, it's uh, um, ambiguous. It's, you know, uh, takes me out of my frame of thought if I've, you know, if I'm doing, you know, quote unquote physical work, um, I don't know. It's just, uh, there's it's unpredictable. Like yeah. you can't really say, okay, you know, I called her cause I knew as a part of the process, I needed to touch base and just kind of have like a, um, <laughs> like a debriefing a little bit, but I had no idea. You know, I'm looking at my watch, like, well, how long is it going to take? Is she going to tell me every single thing that happened in the course of her employment again? Or are we going to, Right, you know, and it was really short. She's like, yeah, thanks for checking. I'm, I think I'm good. I'm just moving on to the next thing. Um, so, um, yeah, it's hard to predict. You can't just say, okay, I know that writing a non-compete is going to take me two hours, or I know that this conversation is going to take, you know, you can't hardly, um, determine it. And if you get like a grumpy email from a client, you need to call them. You, you can't predict when that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Predictability is huge. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, one piece of this that I think is kind of interesting too, is like, once you start to identify it, it gives some credence to like budgeting or allocating resources to that part, you know, uh, in the light of like, it's no longer a, um, impediment. It's, it's like part of the process. So I need to allocate time for it, which then ties into kind of what you alluded to earlier, some clients are going to require a whole lot more of this than others. Right. And, and, you know, we've talked about PETA clients before or whatever, you know, um, clients that are a pain in the butt, like, like, you know, you could kind of identify like what your, what your jam is, you know, like, do you, or do you excel in those situations? Do you want clients that require a low level of, emotional labor, you know, that, that kind of leave you alone, or is that really an opportunity for you to add tons of value? Right. Um, well, and now that I'm kind of thinking about all the work I do in those two camps, 
it brings to light to me something that is I, I know is true, which is you know billing hourly as I do. People don't like to pay for the emotional labor part of things, you know. Um, and so usually I wind up building it into cost in some way, or I try to, usually I eat it, let's be real. But for the most part, you know, now I know if I'm doing a business setup for somebody, it's not about like how much time it takes me to push the buttons and like, create the documents. Cause I've done it a million times and I can do it really quickly. It's about explaining to them that, you know, they need to have their own bank account and, you know, answering the questions when they go to find their own bank account and, um, you know, helping them to talk through what name makes sense and all of these different things that are harder to bill for. You know, you can't, uh, people really bristle if you're like bill, you know, several hundred dollars for talking to them about, about what kind of name they want. Um, so just kind of bundling it all together seems to go over a lot better. Yeah. And, th- and think about how that um, plays out. Like you, okay, legal profession or uh, medical profession, you talk about people that have like bad bedside manner, you know, mm-hmm. like someone who's coming to you for legal work is, is expecting you to be, um, consider it like is expecting for you to care and genuinely listen and they want to feel heard and they want to like share the details and make sure they don't leave anything out, even though it's probably more information than you need or not the right information you need. So like when you're, when, when you're in a bill by the hour frame of mind for any profession, like you hate that stuff, but really that's the stuff that makes the difference between, a really positive experience or not, you know, you know, doctors too, right? Like someone that comes in and spends time with you, you, you feel like you have their attention while they're in the room, yada, yada, yada. You know, it's all stuff that we would be wise to figure out a way to, to cover some portion of that cost and the other stuff, the stuff that people are willing to pay money for because it's such a necessary component of, of the overall thing that we're doing. Yeah. They might bristle at, uh, being billed for, you know, conversation about feelings about starting a company, but, <laughs> or whatever, which is not how I would ever describe my billing, but, um, that they will certainly bristle if, you know, they have this highly transactional in feeling that they're not understood, listened to, or, uh, cared about, and that I'm just hurrying them off the phone. Um, so finding that balance is really real. And I think, you know, for me, a lot of that emotional labor is part of being a good lawyer because that whole, for instance, maybe I take it a little further than most lawyers because I don't do the thing where I just have the um, the client come to me and say, I need a non-compete. And I say, okay, here's a non-compete. I'm like, well, why? You know, why do you think you need one? Because a lot of times it turns out they don't want a non-compete actually, or they have a bigger issue. Um, or if they come in and they have, you know, they're, they're wanting to start a business with somebody, but everything they talk about is how they want to protect themselves against this person because they don't trust them. Then (laughs) the conversation is like, cool. Okay. So business is like a marriage, you know, and there's lots of ways to work together without starting a business. Are you sure you should do this? Um, you know, and I always liken it to them, um, because I've had a, a client very candidly say, I don't know. I just feel like, 
You know, I asked you for a sublease and you gave me an assignment. Like I asked you for a blue widget and you gave me a red widget. And I'm like, oh, all right, no, you asked me to fix your left arm pain. <laughs> you know, pretend I'm a doctor. You came in, you said, my left arm really hurts. Fix my left arm. And I ran tests on your heart. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you're doing your job. You just have to, in that case, of course, I didn't explain it on the front end as well to him as I should have. But, um, but yeah, like you're, you're absolutely right. Characterizing those separately makes you, I mean, I can't extricate myself. I would do, be doing bad, um, physical labor, uh, for the client if I didn't add that emotional component. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because you almost get to a place where like you've got to have the one skill set to dig to, to get the question behind the question, you know, to get that, like that next level deeper to get the information you need to make sure that you're really treating, you know, the root instead of the symptom or, or whatever. Yeah. Is that something that comes up for you? I mean, it's a pretty typical occurrence for my smaller clients with me and examples like I just shared, but, um, for you, do you have that when people are coming up with different yeah, you know, they they tell you I want you to boost my SEO, but then you listen to them and you find out that actually what they're wanting is something that doesn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that certainly happens. Like, um, I when I f- first got started, especially I had the season of people reaching out wanting SEO work, and in my mind, SEO work is the organic listings, not the the ads, right? Like how you manipulate your site so that it shows up higher in the organic search results. And that's, that's not really just, you know, I I have a level of expertise in that, but not as high as the other stuff I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And it took me a minute, you know, I I took those phone calls because I thought it'd be good practice. And then like just about every one of them, it turns out that like what they're asking for is something different and they just didn't even know you know, it was just a word they had learned that, that they felt like characterized what they wanted when it wasn't what they wanted, you know? Um, so, um, I mean, there's certainly a level of that where it's just, a, a you know, a lack of expertise. Right. And that's fine. That's, that's, you know, why they're coming to me in the first place. So that there's already a recognition of that. I think at times, um, yeah, it's interesting when I have a client that comes in that says, Hey, here's the scope of what I want you to do. And it's like super detailed and, and fleshed out, you know? Um, is that a red flag to you? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, well, you know, it depends on the client, but for my average client, yes. Like, um, because most of them don't have the level of expertise that would be required to like put that together in a thoughtful way, you know? And also, you know, that combined with, is this going to be someone who, what are they looking for me? Uh, like from what are they looking from me? Um, are they looking for me to literally just be an extension of, of, you know, to push buttons on the internet for them, you know, or do I ha- like, am I allowed room in this conversation to provide input or share, you know, expertise, um, or not, you know, occasionally it's someone that just feels like they already know what they want and, you know, if they're knowledgeable, great. Like I'm happy to do that. Like I like working with people that know what they want and, and like iron sharpens iron kind of thing. And you know, it's, it's a good relationship, but if it's someone that feels that way and, and after a few minutes I can tell they don't really know (laughs) what they're talking about, then it's kind of a recipe for disaster. 
Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I get that when people say it, it's the red flag for me is it, it, we don't need anything complicated. This isn't a complicated transaction. Yeah. It's love, almost always love when people tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah, that's not <laughs> just by saying that you won't make it. So, so, um, but that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, I actually have a lead right now <laughs> that I've been talking to a little bit and I conversations began months ago and then stopped. Uh, abruptly and then showed back up again. And um, one of the things there, there were two red flags from the initial conversation, but one of them is um, this individual likes to get into his account that, that I would presumably be managing for him and make changes himself. <laughs> and, you know, that's like a perfect example of just kind of like uh, who's, who's providing what value where, you know, like, you know, if, if you feel comfortable doing that, then, then perhaps I'm just capacity, like I'm temporary labor, you know, like if, yeah. you know, if you had less responsibilities, you'd take this over, but you, you just don't have time. So I'm here. Yeah. Um, you that's know, not good. Cause it, then when you freeze up, you're going to be all over it, like white on rice and you're going to be second guess. I mean, they'll be second guessing you the whole time. Yeah. And I often have to second guess myself and that like, if things aren't going well, it causes me to want to jump in there and look at the change history and see, did I make a mistake or was someone else like involved in, in what's happened? Um, yeah, you know, just those situations, but, uh, uh yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because when I think about stuff like that, I'm thinking now thinking through this lens, okay, like which, which box am I checking for this individual? You know? Yeah. That is that is interesting. I wish I could more maybe thinking about it this way will empower me to bill for it more because um like it it is real work. I mean, I had a friend I was doing work for, which is never ideal, right? And um to begin with. And I tried to do the whole like, well, let's just talk it through for free type of thing and then he's like, No, no, no. I want you to do the actual work. But then it was I mean, for the simplest agreement, probably, let's say four or five phone calls and bunches and bunches and bunches of follow-up questions well after I sent the, like, 50% off invoice to him, <laughs> you know, which, you know, when um, you send an invoice from most of the project and then the person asks you to do a whole bunch of additional stuff that, like, was outside the scope of the project anyways, um, that stuff. Uh, and I felt bad, like, uh, I guess I should have laid out expectations sooner that all of this is part of the billable work. It's not just the part where I hit, you know, open Microsoft Word new document, the, where the clock starts running. It's yeah. the rest of it. So, Yeah, and like mm. it, some of it, to your point, ties into what the mindset of the customer is and like finding finding clients or customers that that match what your mo is like um yeah. we're building a house now right like there are builders that we would and probably people who build houses that would go to their builder and say like hey i don't want you guys to hang the shelving i think i can do that like don't don't worry about the toilet paper holder like you know we'll do that after we move in is that make my price any cheaper you know, like uh, a, a five second project on a, you know, uh, a five month, you know, a 
construction project. So worst clients ever. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe there's some builders that are that work that way too, right? And it's a good match. Like they're they they do not want to do that stuff. Like what's the least amount of work I can get paid for kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but then there's other people who are willing to pay maybe even a premium to know they just don't have to think about that kind of stuff. That the builder is going to come in and like hang the mirrors above the bathroom vanities and, and stuff, you know, hang the blinds, which, you know, is kind of a little bit like on the other end of the spectrum of things you'd consider a builder to do for you. You know, like when they're like hanging the bracket for the, you know, the vacuum to hang on like, or whatever, like, like above and beyond. And they just want it taken care of, you know? And, and so I, you know, I'm thinking of the person that has been terminated. Like they probably want to go in and be consoled. There's probably a level of therapy that's happening there that is adds value um, beyond, you know, the actual legal work that you're doing. Yeah. I wish I was able to communicate that better up front. Like, you know, if it's worth it to the person, most of the time I think it is worth it to the person to have the good experience, but I just don't want to surprise, you know, it feels bad when they're like, well, I thought we were bonding and so happy. And I'm like, well, yeah, but <laughs> you know, I still have to bill for, you know, some of my time and, um, I never capture all of it even close, but you know, if you're talking about, well, we talked on the phone for four times and eventually I remember to bill for the fourth time, which was an hour. Um, and <laughs> you know, if the person knew on the front end that was part of it, I just need to come up with a better way of explaining that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's like, you know, because I think what's faced with that, like me as a as a customer myself, I would say, oh, well, don't waste any time with that. Like, I, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. Just let's get down to business. But that's not really, I mean, like on paper, that's what I want, but like, that's not really what I want, you know? Right. Like, like they can't, I, I mean, they wouldn't be making the right decision for themselves almost. So yeah. Yeah. Or, or I'll, uh, my perception of our interaction together would be totally different, right? Like, um, oh yeah, he's kind of a, you know, hard and, and gruff and like, you know, didn't, you know, didn't listen. To, I don't feel like he understood me kind of thing. Um, versus, um, yeah, like he's, you know, but Sarah, she's a, she's, she's a cool attorney, you know, like I, I would definitely want to refer her to people. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's a, a way I can kind of talk about it is just when I'm having that. Basically I, you, I try to remember to ask people when I'm signing them up, have you worked with attorneys before? Um, I hardly ever remember that. And I have to admit to a lot of prejudices and assumptions that go into whether I ask that or not, you know? So if you're a business person who's in their sixties, I may forget to ask that because I assume, but then on numerous occasions, I'll be surprised that the person hasn't and they don't know, you know, that they're getting billed essentially. Um, and so when I do ask that, I should be better. A, remember to ask that. B, (laughs) say, you know, when we talk, I always, you know, when we talk or we're emailing, I always pick up on something that is really useful to the legal work that I'm doing for you. Um, So those conversations are really important to the work product and just kind of try to tie it into that instead of, you know, that's the handholding that's going to make you refer (laughs) refer me to other people because it's true. I mean, you know. Yeah. 
And I, you know, I want this to be an, a two way street. I want to open communication. Yeah. Like I want you to feel like we can talk and it, it's beneficial. Like, you know, you get the details out that are needed to, for me to provide a good service to you, you know, whatever those sorts of things are. Yeah. Yeah. I do always, I'm very, very annoying and that I always say anything else or what else <laughs> at the end of calls instead of assuming that we've discussed everything. And I mean, do you, do you ever do that? Do you ever, right when the call's about to wrap up, you're like, so what else should we talk about? No, but I really like that. I should. Um, oh I'm, my gosh. A hundred percent of the time the person's like, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I get like excited about the thing I know I'm supposed to do and just like can't wait to get off the phone to go do it. <laughs> and then usually as soon as I finish, they, oh, I should have asked them three or four other things. Yeah, it does. It's a thing I've stopped, like a, I've stopped myself. So pretty much every time I'll go, well, okay, I think I understand everything I, but what else should, what else should I know before I start? What else should we talk about? And, um, it's great when you finally get to the point where they say, nothing, I think you've got it. You know? <laughs> All right. We, we've exhausted the issue. I've got my marching orders. You know, here's the next step that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I do encourage that because it is, it is really interesting. Yeah, I like that. I, I need to incorporate some of that. I was meeting with some clients last week about a website and there's this real strong sense of like, I know there's a landmine in this conversation somewhere and like not intentionally. I just, I think there's probably some stuff that we need to talk about that it hasn't been unearthed yet and I just can't find it. You know, and and ha asking that question in and of itself multiple times, even if it doesn't come out, like would give me a little bit of a leg to stand on after the fact where I go back and be like, well, <laughs> you know, I feel like we had a ample opportunity to mention this and we never did. And so, like, I think it's fair for us to say this is, you know, an unexpected change or, or you know, impacts the scope significantly or something um, just to make sure that everyone's had a had their opportunity to say all that they want to say. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, what else, what else should I know about this? What else is on your mind? Um, all of that. I, I get the same feeling a lot that there's some other agenda <laughs> that I'm not let in on. Um, cause you know, you don't, you don't want to, <laughs> uh, always hire a lawyer and then tell them everything because, um, you know, that could be an infinite legal hire <laughs> if you're a business that has like no documents or whatever, and you're hiring me for one discrete purpose. I get that they're kind of resistant to giving me additional information, but then sometimes I get the feeling that there's a whole other thing going on. <laughs> and so I have to do a lot of those open-ended questions. <laughs> They just don't want to understand. They don't want to tell you, tell you where the bodies are buried. Yeah. Or like, did you read that medium post the Jeff Bezos thing? Uh, I've heard stories about it, but I haven't, I haven't read it. Um, the original post. Yeah. So he included, he copy and pasted. So there's like, the, <laughs> so, um, so a little bit of yeah, context. Yeah. Um, he felt like he was being blackmailed by the national Enquirer, Um, and so instead of, being in that position, he essentially went and wrote a post outlining everything that they were trying to blackmail him with. Right. And to, to like shift the balance of power. Um, yeah. yeah, but he copy and pasted the emails from them in it. And the emails are from their lawyer, right? The national Enquirer parent company lawyer. 
And it's just like emails I would write, you know, it's like, hey, you know, please understand that we are proposing that in exchange for us not releasing the photographs, parentheses, quotations, the photographs <laughs> um, in the future, we will uh, in exchange require that you release the statement, parentheses, underlined statement, you know, uh, that of the following, including the following terms. And it just bullet pointed out the terms like you would a normal contract. And it was just legit extortion, like signed so-and-so attorney at law. <laughs> like, good God, did this like... You know, it just baffles me that somebody went to law school and would put that in writing, <laughs> like, so formally. It makes you be like, did he not understand what was happening? Did somebody mislead this this attorney into thinking that this was just a normal transaction? And <laughs> that's why they put not it. Not blackmail. Yeah. It wasn't even like. I don't, I don't remember if it was even marked like attorney client privilege or anything. Um, so I, <laughs> I really did. I did some thinking cause I did not go to that good of a law school. So I'm like, you know, all right. I mean, if I know some lawyers, right. That are not in the, the top brass. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, like, I still don't feel like any of them would do this. And you'd think if you were becoming the in-house counsel for a parent company of like the national Enquirer and stuff, you would be less of an idiot. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have their hands full with, with questionable dealings, right? Yeah. But, uh, but, they're just kind of like, like, copy and pasted from the last thing. <laughs> yeah. But I would think at some point in time when you're emailing with, the world's richest man that goes, it gets tossed up the totem pole just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think like, yeah, let me just put this in writing. Really let's, let's get a partner involved in this uh, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to tap outside counsel for this. Uh, yeah. That was, that was my thought on that. I don't know. Sorry to go off topic. Yeah. No, that's solid. <sighs> man. All right. Well, anything else? No, that's everything that's on my mind. (laughs) Perfect. This has been a wonderful exchange. (laughs) I feel heard. Uh (laughs) Where can people, that's the one other thing. Um, Where can people find information? There's always something else. Good thing you asked. Uh Uh, (laughs) On our uh, podcast and our show notes. Yeah, unfederated.studio. Mm-hmm. is where you'll find notes about this episode and all of our previous shows. The end. <laughs> all right. Well, that was good information. Uh-huh. Thanks, bro. Talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. All right. All right. Later.